Well, I am extremely excited tonight. I've been working on this for a long time. Uh, and it's going to be kind of different. <laughs> you know, I, t- I just want you to bear with me. I will not be offended if you walk out with a lot of information. <laughs> but I just want to say, uh, you know, I want to thank Pastor Todd for allowing me to share on this topic. You know, I'm, I know when we talk about prophecy and things like that, it can tend to be uh, shaky ground sometimes. Sometimes it can it can be deemed fearful. But, uh, you know, I'm just trusting in the leading of the Lord on this situation. I still have a mint I didn't even finish chewing. Sorry about that. So the title of the message is the latest prophetic events behind the recent headlines. There's been a lot of things that have been happening just in the past two months that are biblical, that has been spoken about for thousands of years, and yet they are unfolding before our eyes. You know, I I think about prophecy, and I think about some of the reasons why it's not talked about a lot. Now consider this, how much of Scripture is prophetic in nature? Now think about this. Of the Bible's 31,124 verses, 8,352 of them are predictions. That's 27% of the Bible. Now think about that. In the New Testament, one out of every 30 verses have to do with future events. So this is more than a quarter of the Bible that deals with the future. Now, looking at at prophecy and why it's such a touchy subject, I'll give you three reasons really quickly why it's not talked about much. Number one, some have gotten tired of fear-based approaches to Bible prophecy teaching, right? It's just fearful, fearful, fearful. Number two, people just like to avoid controversy which I get, I understand that. I don't really like controversy either. And number three, I think it's speculation burnout and frustration from date setters and false signs and things like that. Would you agree with that? This could be what is actually fueling what Peter would say about scoffers will come in the last day because people are getting burnt out looking at every little bitty thing and saying, oh, that's this and and this is that. My intention is not to put a timeline on what I want to talk about and and get wrapped up in speculation as fact because I know it will discourage people and get them off track. Now, when we look at Old Testament prophecies, many interpretations can pop up. But in this this specific situation, most agree about what I'm about to talk about. On whether you're, you know, pre, mid, post, all that stuff, you know, that's kind of, we lump prophecy into those three groups of people. But everybody pretty much believes what I'm about to talk about. Now, things have always been happening from time to time. And right now we are walking in very dark days and they will continue to get darker. But the church of Jesus Christ will continue to shine brighter and brighter. That is what we are called to do. We are here to bring the good news of the gospel in the midst of dark days, in the midst of uncertain days, in the uncertain days that are ahead. We have true certainty that will guide us through victoriously through these times. Now, there is a true sense of hopelessness that blankets people like a comforter on a bed, right? And what I want to talk about tonight also You know, there's talk about, you know, is the Bible relevant? I can assure you, after we talk about this, the Bible is more relevant than the newspaper. But there must be an absence of hope to have a longing for hope. Think about this in Titus 2, verse 11 through 13. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Now look, 
Prophecy does two things. Number one, as it says in verse 11, it presents the gospel to all men. In other words, it gives us that desire to be evangelistic. And number two, it teaches us to live holy lives, right? If you know that the Lord could return, it's an imminent, imminent return, which means it could literally happen at any moment. So that means at any moment, the Lord could return. If you have that view, that's the blessed hope that the Bible speaks about. Now, having said that, you may be saying, well, they've been saying that for years, the Lord would return. And I would agree with you. I, I would say that's the, that they have been saying that. But how do you know we're living in the last days? Is there a way to know? I believe there is. Israel is back in the land after 1948. That is what they call God's prophetic time clock. In other words, that's what started the ball rolling towards the end. And then I'm going to give you some statements from verses. You can go and look these up because I, I, I'm going to go through and I'm just trying to lay some groundwork for you just to let you see where we are right now. The Bible says that knowledge would increase. In other words, Knowledge is increasing both, both prophetically as well as secular knowledge. Men, it says men would travel to and fro. You can eat lunch somewhere and fly across the world and have supper in another place. That's traveling to and fro. Technology would increase. The Bible talks about two witnesses that are killed and lay in the street and the whole world will see them from one hour. We see how that can happen today through cell phones, right? Now think about this. Both Matthew 24 and Luke 21 tell us exactly what it will be like before the Lord returns at the second coming. So when you read this in context, you need to understand the disciples called Jesus to the side and said, told him and said, when will be the sign of your coming? He's not talking about the rapture, okay? He's talking about the second coming. They didn't know anything about a rapture. They were waiting for Jesus to come back and set up his kingdom and rule and reign for Jerusalem and get Rome off of their neck. So the context of what they're asking him is, when are you coming back to set up your kingdom? And Jesus answers in that context, okay? So think about this. Paul tells us about the rapture. We could talk, you, you could see that. That's one of my favorite topics in Thessalonians and Corinthians. The Lord will return in a twinkling of an eye. The dead in Christ shall rise and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to be with them in the clouds forever. He says in Corinthians that we will all be changed. The corruptible shall put on incorruption. These are pictures of the rapture. Now, when I talk about these things, you will be able to already know in your mind the newspaper articles in the news. Wars and threats of wars, the Bible says, or rumors of wars. Racial, ethnic group uprisings. The Bible says that in Matthew 24. There'd be a, a racial divide, ethnic group, ethnos. And then it says religious wars. That word is basilica, which means religion will be fighting against religion. Then it says that there'll be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. You remember the blood moons, how they fell on feast days. Four of them were, were exactly as NASA said, and it backed the Bible. Now, that was a good sign because it was to show the Jewish people because they fell on feast days, and it was also to tell us that the Lord is giving us signals. Now, here's the thing. People can even get burnt out with that because they, they assume because they see something, something has to happen. These are just signs or wonders in the heavens when you look at this. Then remember the solar eclipse we had. Remember that one? I found that very interesting. The last time that happened was on August 1st, I mean, uh, the, the 21st, August 21st, 1914, before World War I. Then it fell again, August 21st, 2017, the same date, all these years later, and you could see the war tension rising once again. Now, to the Jewish mindset, a blood moon, which is when the moon turns red, is a sign that God is doing something with Israel. But when you see a, a solar eclipse, it means God is dealing with the whole world, the whole world. And we see that today. And I'll get into that a little bit later. 
Listen to this. It says in Joel chapter 2, verse 30 through 31, I will cause wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. That is volcanic activity. They are even saying now that we are in a season and have been in a season of enormous volcanic activity. More than there's ever been on the history of this world. Then it says wonders in heaven. You can see so many things going on just in, in the heavenlies. I mean, I don't know if you see things on the news and you see these meteors falling. And, you know, there are some things out there that are speculative at best. That's why I just kind of kept it out. But there are different things that you can search out for yourself. But look at, look what it says in Joel chapter 3, 1 through 2. It says, at the time of those events, when I restore the prosperity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather the armies of the world into the valley of Jehoshaphat, and there I will judge them for harming my people, my special possession, for scattering my people among the nations and dividing up my land. Have you ever thought about just the, the in, in a, just in America, how divided we are? I wonder if that has anything to do with the divisiveness that's been there through the last couple of years, well, really 10, 15, 20 years of trying to divide up the Israeli land. And now we see division amongst us. It's just a thought. And then famines, pestilence, and earthquakes. Waters raging, the Bible says. You remember in 2004, there, were, there was a, a, a great tsunami that came inland, uh, and there were some, there were some Muslim men that were in, in a high rise in the very top of this hotel, and a, and a tsunami happened. And what they, what they said when they were interviewed, they literally said it sounded like an echo and a roaring lion coming from the sea. Now, when you, that doesn't mean anything to you right now, but when you think about what it says in Luke 21, 25, it makes sense. It says, and there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and upon the earth, there will be distress, trouble, and anguish of nations and bewilderment and perplexity. Look at this. Without resources, left wanting, embarrassed, in doubt, not knowing which way to turn, at the roaring, and that word roaring is echo of the tossing of the sea. Now think about this. During Hurricane Maria that hit Puerto Rico, there were multiple reports. And listen, I want to say, I'm not saying God is doing this stuff. I'm saying it's happening just as the Bible said. That, that means that, that there are things that Jesus said it would be like this. So when you look at it, there's a, there's a man named Mike Feast. He's a ph photographer. And when they interviewed him, he, he said it sounded like a woman screaming at the top of her lungs. That's what this hurricane sounded like. Now, the Bible says that the last days would be like a woman, right, in childbearing labor. So when you look at these things, you got to pay attention to the wording that is used because those are the things, you know, this is one thing that I've learned about the Bible. The Bible means exactly what it says exactly what it says. Sometimes we're like, there's no way this could be this way. It means exactly what it says. Religious persecution would be amongst us. And notice the people that are getting persecuted are the Jewish people and the Christians, right? I mean, that's, that's a fact. Many will be offended. <laughs> Facebook, just go to Facebook. <laughs> Cold-hearted. Lack of love, inventors of evil, selling body parts, right? Without natural affection. People that are just killing their own children, right? For whatever reasons, I'm not getting into that. I'm just saying the, these things are unnatural. There is a blanket of deception and we're just kind of used to it. You know, when you read about how it says, as it was in the days of Noah, it just says, I mean, obviously there was catastrophe happening, right, with, with the flood and whatnot. But leading up to it, in all the preaching Noah would do, people were not even paying attention. They were just marrying and giving in marriage and drinking and doing all these things until the day the ark shut. That's what's happening today. We're seeing all of these things and we're just scrolling through as if nothing's wrong, as if Rome is not burning. 
but really it's, it's getting worse and worse. And I'm afraid that many of us are sleeping. And Jesus said that we need to wake up, right? Wake up. Even to my own self, I always constantly, if I want to get into the mully grubs, I just say, Kelly, wake up. View the things that are going on around you. The Lord is showing us that he is coming back. We hear about the, the temple being rebuilt. You know, we went to Israel. We saw the furniture that is going in the temple. They already have the priests. They have the Sanhedrin already formed. And there are priests even now that are getting fitted for their clothing. It's amazing. We are living in the very last days. You see the mark of the beast technology is here. The ability to implant something in your right hand or your forehead. Think about that. Not to say that that's the mark. We don't know. I don't want to speculate. But that is available. And you cannot buy nor sell unless you have this this mark. Then it says... There'd be a one-world system. We see that globalization, right? Everybody's wanting to go global, you know, and that's why President Trump ran on uh, America first. He's kind of just was breaking away from the globalization aspect of things. So you see, and then one-world religion. We see that happening today. Secular humanism. You know, universalism. Everybody's going to heaven. All you have to do is believe in, in God. You know, no Jesus, no nothing. There's no more separation. Luke 21, 28 and 32 says, when these things begin to occur, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he said, and I told, and told them the parable, look at the fig tree and all of the trees. When they put forth their buds and come out in a leaf, you see for sure yourselves and perceive and know that summer is already near. Even so, when you see these things taking place, understand and know that the kingdom of God is at hand. Truly, I say to you, this generation, those living at this definite period of time will not perish and pass away until all things have taken place. So what that's saying is when you look in Israel, the parable of the fig tree is really the symbol of Israel coming together. So he's saying the generation that saw that and sees all of these things begin to happen in rapid fashion will not pass away until the Lord returns. That's our generation. That is amazing. Technically, you could say it's before the 1948 generation would pass away. So the Lord is not hiding the fact that he's coming back. Now, with that being said, is there even something more significant in the headlines today? And I believe that there, that, that there is. Now, once again, there are theories, and I don't want to get into just theories, and we should never get hung up on that, okay? There are things to look at that are for sure. There are things that are speculative at best, but they can only be confirmed when being looked back upon. You know, some people, they step out and say something, I think because they want to be the guy who breaks the news, right? Something like that. Or wants to, you know, I want to be the one. Man, that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. This is just a matter of, hey, when I look at prophecy, I'm just like, oh, man, this could be this. This could be that. This could be this. I don't get mad at people. I don't stop reading their books. I'm looking at all the things that are out there because the Bible says that we should be watching and praying. So in saying that, I want to look at Ezekiel 38 because I believe this is the most relevant chapter going on right now as we're closing out 2017. If you read Ezekiel 37, I won't read it to you for time's sake, but if you go back and read 37, 38, and 39, you'll see that Ezekiel 37 is the valley of dry bones that many people believe that Ezekiel looked down and saw the bones from the people that died in the Holocaust in Warsaw. That they were the bones that were there. And he saw a valley of dry bones. And then God asked him, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, Lord, only you know. And But then the Lord tells him that it seems like all hope is gone. But then he says, I will open your graves of exile I will cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And when that happens, oh, oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. 
I will put my spirit in you. You will live again and return to your own land. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. I like that. I have done what I said. Now, if you keep on reading, you'll see what happens in 38 and 39. You see a temple coming back. But one thing that struck me in reading these three chapters is how many times the Lord was saying, I'm doing this so the whole world will know me. Like God's up there saying, you know what? I'm done playing hide and seek. I'm about to show up and show out and I'm going to show you why you worship me. Amen. I don't think that's pride and arrogance on God's part. To be prideful and arrogant, you have to be an imperfect person thinking you all that. I'm here to tell you God is all that and he is absolutely perfect. Amen. Praise God. Anytime God is looking at the mirror, it's grace that he looks our way. He needs nothing from us. God could look in the mirror and say, I'm the greatest thing ever. And the mirror would even say, that's absolutely right, Lord. See, we serve a God of majesty and power and might who is not wringing his hands, wondering what the United Nations is going to do. Amen. 79% of evangelicals say that they believe that the Middle East turmoil is a sign of the end. And then I was reading something else from the Jerusalem Post. And it says of young evangelicals, their support for Israel is going down lower and lower than what it has before. I think the decline is happening because of replacement theology, teaching that Israel, God's done with Israel and the church is the new Israel, and just the lack of interest in prophetic teaching. Right? Now think about this. The Bible has at least a thousand prophecies and 500 of them have literally been fulfilled to the very T. You can put your faith and trust in the Bible, I can assure you. 2,600 years ago, Ezekiel wrote these verses and we are seeing them come to pass today. Literally today. Now, We're going to look at the nations involved because I think you'll find it pretty interesting. But I want you to see that ethnologists have traced these people groups back to the descendants of Noah. And we will see that Noah, Noah's children, lived in in these certain areas. And that's where the names come from. You can read that once again on your own in Genesis chapter 10. Now, I thought this was interesting. Ronald Reagan said... Ezekiel says the nation that will lead all of the other powers into darkness against Israel will come out of the north. Then he said, what other powerful nation is the north of Israel? That would be Russia. Okay? Now let's look at what what God says about these nations. In Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 1 through 7, Doug, can you put the map up? Now I want you to see these nations. Because I want you to see what is going to happen. Because you see these nations in the news every single day, right now, every day. And sometimes there may be some fear that, like, man, what are they going to do? What's going on? But I want to just read it to you in Ezekiel 38, 1 through 7. Are you following? Are you okay with this? Is this too many verses for you? Is this creeping you out? I promise it ends well. Amen. Praise God. I love you guys. I like the fact that we can just get up and talk and discuss some things. Amen. Praise God. All right. No, I really am excited. I've been, re- I love this stuff, man. I, if you don't, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a, we'll do something next, next time, okay? Ezekiel 38, 1 through 7. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face towards Gog and the land of Magog, the prince Rosh, prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. And prophesy against them and say, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you about and put hooks into your jaws, and I will bring you out and all of your army, horses and horsemen, all of them splendidly attired, a great company with buckler and shield, all of them wielding swords, Persia, Ethiopia, and put with them. Put almost sound like a name you could use, like, in the South as a nickname. In fact, I do know a girl from Lydia, and we used to call her Put, just to say. It's true. There's no joke. Kush, uh, not so much. That's the other word for Ethiopia. I felt like it was getting a little serious. Um, 
All right. This is fun. Okay. Now listen. It says in verse 6, Gomer with all its troops, Beth Torgarma, that's, that's, that'd be a hard name, from the remote parts of the north with all of its troops, many people with you, be prepared and prepare yourself, you and all your companies that are assembled about you, and be a guard for them. That, at the end it says, and lead them, is basically what it's saying. So what it's saying is, Gog, lead these nations. Now God's the one calling the shots. I just want you to see that. Now let's look at the players. Now we're going to see how good Doug is with the computer, which I don't even have to question that. He's, he's a Jedi. <laughs> All right. Gog is the ruler. It means the man on top. He's the chief prince. Some even say that it's possibly a principality spirit because you see him again in Revelation 20. So whatever it is, Gog, or it could be just another word for a leader. Once again, speculation, but we know that this is a leader. He's, a, he's the leader of Russia, okay? Here's a side note. Once again, if you go back and you read the book of Genesis, you will see that these are where the sons of Noah landed their, their living. No? Can't say that. All right, let's look. Now watch this. Magog is Russia. Can we switch that so you can see? Right? Maybe it didn't do. Okay, Russia's way at the top above above where Turkey is. So Magog was the second son of Japheth, the grandson of Noah. He settled north of the Black and Caspian Sea, also the area of the Ukraine and Kazakhstan. It's really the underbelly of Islam. And then Rosh is Russia because the Byzantine writers wrote it as ROS. So we know that. See, a lot of these places, when you see it, it say Mish, it'll say Mish, it'll say, it'll say, says Meshach, Tubal, Gomer. These are different areas of the same land. So in Ezekiel's day, this is how he named it. But these are the nations that are here today. Meshach and Tubal were fifth and sixth sons of Japheth, also Noah's grandsons, and they settled in Turkey, which is right above Israel. And then you see Persia, which is Iran. We see Iran. They were, they were considered Persians all the way up to 1935, and then they changed to Iran. But Iran is also, I mean, Persia is also Afghanistan as well as Pakistan. So when you see these names, these are the nations that will come after Israel. See, you're getting an inside view of what is happening right now. And then Ethiopia, or Cush, <laughs> or it's also known as the Sudan. This is the where Moses married someone from, okay? Cush was the grandson of Noah and the second son of Ham. And this is the area of North Africa. And really, the Sudanese government, this is a cool little thought, uh, really housed Osama bin Laden from 1991 to 96. So there's some terrorism activity that, that was going on there. And then Put is Libya. <laughs> Put. And so that means Ham named his son Put. Like, dude. Like, people don't need to name their children after Build-A-Bears. They got to grow up and get a job. Right? Okay. Some of y'all named your kids after Build-A-Bears? I'm just joking. All right. Bomb. Okay, Libya has been known to have a lot of human slavery going on. It's really the biggest case of literal human slavery. Literally, people on blocks, you can actually see video of this, and they are bidding for people. It's absolutely horrendous. And it's driving Libya into the ground. And eventually, if you look at these two pictures of these articles I was reading, look at this. Libya, why the European Union is looking to Russia. So we see that eventually the Sudan and Libya will come with Russia to fulfill this scripture. And look at the Sudan verse, I mean, uh, article. Why does Vladimir Putin care about Sudan? So you see, you see the formation even happening now. That's why this is such a big deal. This is such a big prophetic deal. And then Gomer is Turkey and some say possibly Germany. Some of the Gomerites went to the area of German, Germany. And this is the first son of Japheth. Okay? So, just so you know, we're going through this, and Beth Togorma is the house of Togorma, which is the house of Turkey. 
the, the third son of Gomer, son of Japheth. So if you understand that, you know who the players are. This is, I'm going to give it to you real easy. It's Russia leading Iran as well as Turkey. Now, has that been happening in the news? Glad you asked. Pull this up. See, what, what happened right here was that Sochi, which is in Russia, they got together to form an alliance. This is the first time in the history of the world. Turkey used to be friends with Israel. Tur- when you were in Israel, you vacationed in Turkey. I know, it's amazing. Uh, and, t- and so Turkey is very anti-Israel now, if, if, if you know that. And Iran, obviously, I mean comes to the states and ridicules Israel. So we know that they have a, a ploy or a bone to pick with Israel, right? Okay, so you following me? So this historic coalition came together November 22nd of 2017. Now, not, now I want to not be a date setter, okay? Even though I just gave you a date. But I want to say is, I'm not saying for sure that Putin is God. Putin can have a heart attack, right? And the next guy could come. But what I'm trying to tell you is you can see for the first time the motivation and the people on the stage ready for action. So I'm not even trying to tell you that this is this person. I mean, you could visually see it that way. And I I just want to say that the things that Vladimir Putin is doing is very Gog-esque, right? I mean, you can see that. Uh, I want to show you another uh, picture. Russia, Iran, and Turkey agreed to hold Syrian Congress to, to talk peace. In fact, he even wanted to get uh, um, United States a- out of the situation, and, and he wanted to be the one to uh, really call the shots as far as this is concerned. And also look at another article. Russia, Iran, and Turkey, the real power brokers in Syria. So you see that that is happening. That's in the north area of Israel, just as the Bible said. Amen. God is amazing. Let's go to the next one. Russia, Turkey, and Iran proposed conference in post-war Syria's future. See, once again, another article talking about what's going on. Now, let's look at this. This was interesting. Forget OPEC. Putin is the one controlling the oil prices. How did that happen, you may ask? Let's look at the next one. This is Bloomberg. Putin crowns himself as OPEC king. Really, the OPEC king is the one that calls the shots as far as as oil is concerned, where we all get our oil from, amen? Now, now if you look at that, it's kind of interesting because you see, once again, people, but then you see the things that they do in the Bible. And there's a lot of times when you read something, you'll see that it's a picture of something to come. In other words, Hitler was a picture of an antichrist. Right. If you look at Antiochus Epiphanes, who put a pig on the altar before the fall of Jerusalem, that was a picture of what is going to happen in the last days. So you can see things. You can see God allows things to happen to show us, to give us insight to what is coming. Either way, the groundwork is being laid to fulfill this Ezekiel 38 situation. Whether it's these people, whether they come into the land and back off again, at least now you can see. Because here's the thing. I want you, I wanted you to look at this because you read it in the Bible and you're like, buckler, shield, right? So that's what I'm trying to just get you to see if you, Don't pay attention to the things that are being said as far as, like, Ezekiel doesn't know what a gun is. He's he's like sword, buckler, shield, but it takes seven years to bury the weapons or burn the weapons. It don't take seven years to burn a sword. So we don't know if it's chemical or all these other issues as far as weaponry is concerned, but we get the point. We get the picture, right? Okay, so once again... We have to look back at this eventually if it all plays out and say, okay, that was this and that was this. If not, it was a picture of what's to come. That's really all you need to know about that. And Gog is also not the Antichrist. So don't be thinking Putin or, no, this was going to happen. Kelly said that he knows who the Antichrist is. No, I do not. I have no clue. Okay? All right. 
And also, there are elections coming in March, which somebody could get in and move him out of the way and the groundwork set. So I'm not trying to put that on that man. <laughs> right? I ain't trying to put that on that man. Good. Stay light with me. Uh, so let's look at the invasion. Ezekiel 38, 8 through 9. A long time from now you will be called into action in the distant future. You will swoop down on the land of Israel, which will be enjoying peace after recovering from war, after its people have returned from many lands to the mountains of Israel. You and all your allies, a vast and awesome army will roll down on them like a storm to cover the land like a cloud. Now, three things had to happen for this to happen. Number one, Israel must be present in their land. That happened in 1948. They, they recover from war. That happened in 1967, the Six-Day War, in which supernaturally Israel defeated all the armies that were coming against them, which was God. And I don't know if you saw the video. You could Google this. This is really cool. ISIS was going into the Israeli border, and a, a giant cloud appeared and went and hovered over the area until the ISIS people went back. That was amazing. You can go watch the video. God was like, y'all better back up. Because I'm not ready to come on the scene, but I'm going to give you a little snapshot. And that was amazing. The, the Israeli soldiers were like, oh, my goodness. And, it, and it's a rem reminder of what the cloud by day must have been like. Amen. You see, God don't have to do new things. You'll see that God's going to break out old weapons for new enemies. <laughs> Israel must be prosperous. That's number two. Ezekiel 38, verse 12. Listen, we went to Israel and it is the most beautiful place ever. I'm serious. It's in, it looks like California and Tel Aviv, and it looks like you're in a, the Bible down the street. I mean, they got the big glasses like Hollywood, and I'm telling you, it's amazing. And the fruit everywhere is phenomenal. They fill the world with like 90% of the fruit. 90% of the fruit comes from Israel and fills this whole world. And that's one of the prophecies that God himself has revealed, that he's going to call, he calls the nation of Israel to sprout. Now, I was watching this months ago, and I just so, just so happened I was watching a program, I don't know, two days ago I was telling Shannon, she really wasn't paying attention when I told her this. I think she was more concerned about getting stuff ready for Christmas. But I was reading and watching this, and one of the doctors said, in this hospital in Sheba, he said that in five to ten years, we will probably have a cure for every disease known to man. Amazing. That's amazing. Just to think about that, they were actually showing one of the, the procedures where they were making liver enzymes in like 3D to where that they can, instead of doing dialysis and whatnot, they can just take those cells and put them and they can rejuvenate the body. It's amazing. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> Look, Dixie's like, I know some doctor stuff. <laughs> I'm just saying, these are some scientists. I don't even know how to bat in the I didn't even do good in science. So, now militarily, they're also the best of the best. Where do you think we get a lot of our intelligence? You know, Zechariah 12, 8 and 9, this is kind of funny. Well, not funny, but it's cool. It says, the verse is not funny. Zechariah 12, 8 and 9, it says, On that day the Lord will defend the people of Jerusalem. The weakest among them will be as mighty as King David. You know, I was in Israel. We took a picture of some Jewish soldiers that were walking. And I took a picture, posted it on Instagram. At the time, I'd say weeks later, the IDF liked the picture. That's pretty cool. They don't, I look, they don't, I guess they must have retracted their like. <laughs> it's not there anymore. But you can vouch for me because uh, I, I showed Shannon, like, look, the IDF liked it. All right, let's keep going. And then look at what it says here. Uh, I, I mean, look at this other picture. They found gold in Elat. Billions of dollars of gold discovered under Mount Elat, mountains to be used to rebuild the third Jewish temple. They found billions of dollars in gold in Elat. That's amazing, because when you keep reading Ezekiel, you have the merchants of Tarshish and Sheba and Dedan. They say, have you come to take the gold? Hmm, that's, that's very interesting. They also found oil and gas, $150 billion just in reserves. <laughs> and they, they're still drilling. 
And then number three, Israel must have peace in the land. Now, this is where speculation timing happens. Some say, and some, not Kelly, some say it happens before the rapture because the world is crippled because God destroys those Islamic armies, which would mean that an antichrist can pop up in the power, in, in the power vacuum and now they can talk peace treaty as far as building a temple. Right now, you can't even walk on the Temple Mount. They will stone you. So no one's going to come and let somebody build a Jewish temple unless they are deathly afraid of the Jewish people, which would explain the Ezekiel 38, 39. Once again, that's a theory. That's a thought. Okay. Kelly didn't say that. I did say it, but I'm not, I didn't come up with that. And some say it's between the rapture and the tribulation. You know, the rapture can happen and you can have some time before the tribulation starts. And that can happen within that moment. So once again, theories, not saying it is, not saying it will happen. But that we do know that the Antichrist will pop up and have and broker a peace deal. You saw everybody talking about Trump's going to get a peace deal. That wasn't going to happen because he's not the Antichrist. Some of y'all might think he is, but... He don't come from the area the Bible talks about. All right. So I'm just saying all of that to show you, look the validity of the Bible. Now, once again, we're going to be wrapping this up because, you know, I don't want to have y'all stay too late. Ezekiel 38, 10 through 13. This is what the sovereign Lord says. At that time, evil thoughts will come to your mind and you will devise a wicked scheme. You will say Israel is an unprotected land filled with unwalled villages. I will march against her and destroy these people who live in such confidence. I will go to those formerly desolate cities that are now filled with people who have returned from exile in many nations. I will capture, listen to this, vast amounts of plunder from the people who are rich with livestock and other possessions now. They think the whole world revolves around them, but Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish will ask, do you really think the armies you have gathered can rob and uh, rob them from the silver and gold? Do you think you can drive away their livestock and seize their goods and carry off plunder? This is, okay, you have Sheba and Dedan. I'll just tell you who that is, possibly. Sheba and Dedan is Saudi Arabia. And the merchants of Tarshish are the people from the West. Because it, it, in one verse it says the lions and young lions. Now Britain, the symbol is the lion. And the young lions would possibly be America because we came out of Britain. So that's the theory behind those, those nations being on the sideline. In other words, we didn't jump in and help Israel for some reason at this point. Okay? So I just want... To clarify that, once again, it's a theory, but most people say that that is who that is. Now, we know that Putin came in, or Russia came in. I don't want to keep throwing that man under the bus. For two reasons. Number one, to bring stabilization to the Syrian regime because Assad was gassing his own people. So so Putin was like, I'm going to handle this. I'm going to get in here, and we're going to settle this issue. And also, so to help to defeat ISIS. Remember, they, they came in with President Trump and they said, we're going to come in here and we're going to destroy ISIS, which they are doing. Right? That's one of the major accomplishments that he's been doing. So, once again, I'm not saying that these are the leaders. I'm saying these are the nations. Now, no matter what, I'm sorry, the Russian bear has come out of hibernating. And they he is on... That nation is on the scene. Now, look, I want to show you this picture. Recently, it came out the Iranian troops and Turkish troops have been in Syria. This is when we were in Israel. And actually, our tour guide was in the IDF. And he pointed to a mountain that's off to the side. And he said, we are able to look and see exactly what's going on in Syria. We can see the newspaper they're reading. We can see what's on their, their when they open their icebox, what they're drinking, how many calories it has. I mean, they can see everything. So he said there are Iranian troops there because they're speaking that language. They don't speak Arabic. They speak another language. I'm not, I don't remember exactly what it is. And there were Turkish troops there. Now it recently came out over the summer that they were there, but you know, it was kind of already known. It was just made known to us. So now let's look at another one. Picture of an article. Now look at this article. Israeli jets strike Iranian military bases in Damascus. Let me tell you what happened here. 
Donald Trump and, and Putin set up safe zones in this area, and Netanyahu came out and said, we don't want Iranian troops anywhere near our border. We don't care what y'all have going on. We have the right to protect ourselves. If we see Iranian troops, it's on. Sooner or later, Iranian troops were there. They spotted it, and you didn't see this in a newspaper, but you'll see it on the news if you look at Israeli stuff, and they've been bombing the stew out of them for all this time. And what they're doing is they're saying that possibly they're going to move from that area, that safe zone, and move into the heart of Damascus to kind of make it look like Israel's bombing Damascus and Syrian people, which once again will make it look like, oh, bad Israel, right? Now let's look at this picture. Netanyahu, Israel will act in Syria in accordance with our security needs. You probably heard him say that. So once again, we see motive. We see Russia has economic motives. We see Turkey as well as Iran trying to get together and destroy the Jewish people because, you know, Islamic people, I don't know if you know this, don't really like Jews or Christians. That's just what they say. That's not me. Once again, the Koran says that, not Kelly. All right. And a while back, I don't know if you remember in 2015, there was a Russian plane flying over Turkey and they shot it out the sky. Nobody got mad. Nobody did anything. And all of a sudden you see Russia and Turkey in cahoots and now they're anti-Israel. And that was like, man, what happened there? Well, come to find out, uh, Russia needs a port to get into the Mediterranean Sea. And Russia was like, man, I'm not going to really stir the waters here because we kind of need their port. And that's why possibly they've come together because it was seen that Russian boats were going through the Turkish area to get into the exporting area of the Mediterranean. I'm just telling you that. And I can, listen, I can give you a bunch of reasons why all of these nations are getting together, but I don't, for time's sake, I'm going to uh, go through that. I'm, I'm going to leave that part out, but I mean, you can look up all these things. Iran and Russia, the 70% of their trade has gone up. Uh, I, Russian uh, planes launched from Iranian uh, places, which is the first time that's happened since World War II. Uh, so all of these things, you know, I don't know if you saw in the news, it says Putin said that he was going to back out of Russia. I don't know if you saw that. And I was listening to a commentator that lives in Israel. He said, yeah, last time they said that, if he, he said he, know, he knew that it, when they were getting on the plane, the plane took off. When the camera came off, the plane came back and landed, and they brought in more troops. So I wouldn't necessarily believe that. And then also, uh, they need to protect their security investments there. So once again, now let's look at the sideline nations. Now, I'm going to just skip through this part because we're getting to the end. But it's possible that America is so weakened because of being war-weary, or it could be an economic collapse, nobody knows, or my favorite theory is possibly the rapture. The rapture, what happened? Taking us off of the earth, we pay our bills, right? We're, we, really, the Christians on, on, in America really do a good job for America, you know? I, I mean, I'm just saying, uh, and with, with us being gone, that would cause an entire, could you imagine planes coming out of the sky, people wrecking? Could you imagine the chaos that would be on this, on this, during this time? So it's possible. Once again, nobody knows, but we do know this for, for sure. God is saying, I want everybody backed off because I'm going to show them that I am the protector of Israel and I neither slumber nor sleep. Amen. All right. So this is what happens if you want to know how this thing plays out, right? You want to know that? Okay. Ezekiel 38 and 4. I will turn you about and put hooks into your jaws and I will bring you out. Now the hooks in the jaw, people say it could be oil. It could be the gold. It could be water. It could be so many things. So once again, that's all speculation. But we know that God is bringing Russia to the mountains of Israel. Think of that. God's in total control. That should give you, listen, the reason I said this is because I want you to know that God's in control of whatever you're going through. You may seem as if you're about to be destroyed by a situation. Listen, it has to go through the fingertips of God. God has to allow something to happen and he will protect you and guide you and work it out for your good and for his glory. Amen. Now, Ezekiel 38, 16. 
And you will come against my people Israel like a cloud. And it will come about in the last day. I will bring you against my land. Look what it says. So the nations may know me when I am sanctified through you, through you before their eyes, O Gog. Now think about this. In Ezekiel 38, 18, it tells us, it will come about on that day when Gog, whoever the leader is of Russia, comes against the land of Israel, my fury will mount in my anger. Now let's look at the old weapons for new enemies. In my zeal, in my blazing wrath, I declare that on that day, There will surely be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, and all the creeping things that creep on the earth, and all the men who are on the face of the earth will shake at my presence. The mountains will be thrown down deep, the steep pathways will collapse, and every wall will fall to the ground. This is the Old Testament Jehovah Jireh showing up on the scene. So there's an earthquake. You might remember this in the book of Numbers in uh, in chapter 16. Basically what happened is they wanted Moses out. So they had the pulpit committee come together and say, we don't like Moses' preaching. He don't counsel very well. We want him gone. God did not approve of that. He opened the ground and swallowed thousands of people and closed the ground back up on them. That's in your Bible. Not the pulpit committee stuff. That's just kind of like a you know, a, a religious joke. Okay. <laughs> Y'all might like, I didn't see committee, brother. We need to talk about your word studies. All right, we're, we're, I'm telling you, we're wrapping up, I promise. I know y'all want to go eat. <laughs> I'm just picking. It says, look at what it says. Ezekiel 38, 21. I will call for a sword against him on all my mountains, declares the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. This is friendly fire that happens. We see this once again when in, in the story of Gilligan. In the story of Gilligan and Marianne. No, okay. So you can't be joking. We got to get to the end of this thing. There will be friendly fire in the midst of chaos. This happened in Gideon when he just, when they, when God destroyed the Philistines in Judges 7. So once again, God's just like, oh, I'm not even going to try on this. I'm going to just pull something out of the Old Testament on them. Ezekiel 38, 22, with pestilence and with blood, I will enter into judgment with them. So there'll be some type of epidemic breakout of disease possibly for all the dead bodies of the armies laying across the land. Then it says this. Ezekiel 38, 22, I will rain on him and on his troops and on many peoples who are with them a torrential rain with hailstones, fire, and brimstone. God's going to have a rock concert in honor of Israel's enemies and possibly volcanic eruptions. It's, I mean, there are places in Israel that could blow at any moment. So God will stone the enemies of Israel with 100-pound hailstones, smiting them and decimating them to a pulp. Yeah. Then God will call for the birds of the air to come and have lunch on, on, on behalf of what, what he's done. And then Israel will bury the dead for seven months and bury the weapons for seven years. That's why people throw out that could be during the tribulation. Now, why did I tell you all this? Because I want you to not be fearful. Don't worry about some nuclear attack or all these things. Keep your mind focused on Christ. Keep your mind knowing that God is in control. And if you want comfort, open your Bible and read it because God is telling you how you should feel during these times. He's saying, fear not. All these things must happen. Jesus said, I tell you these things in advance so when they come, you will know that I am he. But we, if we don't pay attention because it's doom and gloom. This ain't doom and gloom. It's doom and gloom for the people that are against Israel. Notice it says, I will enter into judgment for those that divide up my land. I don't know if you were watching the news, but this administration got on the side of Israel. So if anything, maybe some recovery can begin to happen. I'm not saying that's true, but we don't know. And look what it says. E- e- Ezekiel 39, 23 and 24. The nations will know why Israel was sent away to exile. It was punishment for sin, for they were unfaithful to their God. Therefore, I turned away from them and let their enemies destroy them. I turned my face away and punished them because of their defilement and their sins. Now think about this. God is going to one day, when he's brought them back, 
he's going to reveal himself to them. And it's going to be one of the most amazing things ever. It's, it's going to be a time. That's why it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. When you look at the tribulation, it's the time when God's going to focus his attention on Israel. Now, the question is, what triggers this? If you read, a lot of people believe that Isaiah 17, it says, Damascus becomes a ruinous heap and, ceased, and ceases to be a civilization. They're saying, possibly, what I'm telling you is tell, telling you this for, keep your eyes on the Middle East, keep your eyes on Syria, and keep your eyes on the Russian situations going on. Just when you watch the news, don't watch it in fear. Watch it in curiosity. Watch it in, oh, I see God's in control here. Right? Don't, be, don't believe all the rhetoric that you hear. Just keep your mind focused on the things of the Spirit. And you will see that God Almighty is in control. Right? God is doing what he is going to do. And he will, he will do that to show the Jewish people that he is God. And he will do it to show us. Then it says, and we're we'll, we'll backing up. So if that happens, if Isaiah 17 happens, then that would give those armies saying, look, Israel attacked us. We're coming in now. And, and there would be that war. And then if you read in Zechariah 12, it says in the last days, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone. Have you been watching the news? With the United Nations, like 130-something countries voted against and only nine voted with. What's going to happen in that situation is eventually that EU is going to break down to 10 nations and one leader is going to come out of that. And that's going to be the Antichrist of the Bible. So we see everything shaping up. You see peace, uh, uh, unrest in the Middle East. You see Europe and all this stuff happening. You see people, you know voting and non-voting and trying to overthrow things. All you're seeing is God saying, I'm coming. So I want you to see that. Don't, if you've been sleeping, wake up. Wake up. I'm going to leave with a verse, not a verse. I want to leave a statement, okay? This is by Paul Henry Speck. He was the prime minister of Belgium from 1899 to 1972. And this is what he said. This is talking about the European Union. Way back then in 1945, look what he said. We do not want another committee. We have too many already. What we want is a man of sufficient stature to hold the allegiance of all people and to lift us up out of an economic morass. <laughs> I, was, I really started to think, was that a curse word? I'm just telling you. <laughs> Or it could have been taken as a curse word. Or you could video it and cut that out. You know, you know what I'm saying. Cut that out and be like, mm, he said a curse word. It's a joke. Tell me, bomb. It says, send us a man, be he God or the devil, and we will receive him. So think about that. So as we stand, I just want to pray. Because I, I hope that this has enlightened you, has, has given you a sense of, wow, look how relevant the Bible is. Look how the Bible is speaking and coming alive before our eyes. So what do you do during this time? What's the life application? Listen, let this knowledge convert you. If you are not born again, in other words, if you have not confessed your sin before Jesus and asked him to become Lord, this is the first step. This is how you escape the wrath. This is God's plan. He's, he's saying, look, I've come here to that you may have eternal life. You must receive the gift of pardon that Jesus paid on your behalf to go to heaven. Now, how many of you can say, you know, I, I'm not born again. I have not given my life to the Lord. I, I can see that these scriptures are so relevant. I see it on the news. And I'm ready to stop playing games. I'm ready to stop messing around with God. And I'm really ready to make a decision to follow and serve the Lord. If that, be, if that is you, I just want you to bow your heads and lift your hands. And I just want to pray with you. I know we have a lot of people here and, and you're, you're faithful and you come. And many people here are already saved. But if you are here and you have not received Jesus, I just want to give you an opportunity. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Number two, let the fact that he's coming back bring you comfort. Paul said comfort 
one another with these words. And number three, let his return calm you. When Jesus says, fear not, it's during this time period. He's saying, fear not. Fear not of these things that are coming upon the earth. And number four, let his return purify us. Look what it says in 1 John. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself. So when you see these things happening, you know what it does for me? It tells me, Kelly, the time is short. Push forward. Keep witnessing, right? Telling your family members, listen, it's imminent. It could happen at any moment. The Lord could return at any moment. We are living in the greatest times on the face of the earth. Take this information and use it to feed your spirit and, and go out into the world and really have people to hear the gospel. Jesus said, I'm coming soon. Paul told us that this is urgent. Wake up for your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Amen. So I want to pray right now. Father, we just come in the name of your son, Jesus. Lord, we acknowledge that you are soon to return. Father, we don't know when. We don't know how long it's going to be. But Father, we thank you for your word that you have laid out that we may see that time is ticking and that time is getting short. God, we thank you for the grace that we have to walk our Christian walk out. God, we thank you that we have divine protection. God, we thank you right now that you are Lord of our lives, Lord of our salvation. Father, we put our full faith and trust in your abilities to carry us through these days, not only to carry us, but to empower us to be a mighty army in your kingdom. God, I ask right now that seal the words that were spoken in the hearts of your people. And God, let them have confidence instead of be in fear when they see the news. Lord, let them have curiosity, God, to see that your hand is moving despite what everything looks like around us. God, we have our faith and trust in your abilities, your timing, and your ways. God, we thank you. We honor you with our night. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask, amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Praise God. Well, if you need counseling or anything, we'll be up here. Our prayer, we'd love to pray with you. If not, have a great New Year's. God bless you. Good night.